Sooner Nation, OU Insider subscribers, Coach Brian Clinton enthusiast, Jalen Williams, anybody who thinks he's going to be a, the a, the greatest player in the NBA, I don't I don't know if he's going to get that far. I, I don't know if he's going to get that far because he plays with yeah ever. <laughs> he's going to pass Michael Jordan is what he's going to do. Actually, him, Shea Gilgis Alexander, and Chet Holmgren are going to be the greatest NBA players. Uh, the top three tied for number one. Anybody who thinks that, this is the podcast for you. This is another episode of the Oklahoma Drill, fueled by OU Insider and the Rivals Network. I am Jesse Crittenden, and I am, of course, joined, as always, by Sir Esquire the Third Jr., Brian Esquire Clinton. That's a lot. Okay, that's a lot of words. I got to workshop that. At some point, I'm going to run out of ideas. Brian, do you agree with me? that uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder are not only the greatest NBA team of all time, but that those three guys are going to be the trio of goats the sport has ever seen. I don't think there's really any denying it at this point, is there? No. We're talking about the leader in the clubhouse in the Western Conference. So Right. That's um, right. I'll tell you this much. Uh, I admittedly am not a huge NBA guy or haven't been in the past. This team has been the first team in my lifetime that has kept me glued into what's happening throughout the week. Like, you know, so if for nothing else, it's made me more than just a casual follower. It's made me a fan. And I, that's probably, that probably should say enough right there. So no, it's it's funny. So last night, so recording this Wednesday afternoon. Last night, I'm at the Lloyd Noble Center. I'm writing a story about OU basketball, OU men's basketball, just kind of falling apart a little bit against Texas. And uh, I'm finishing up my story. I check my phone. I'm like, what's what's the Thunder game look like? Because I, I know they're playing the Blazers. I had checked it a little bit before. I knew it was a close back and forth game. I saw that it was tied with just a few seconds left. And I was like, do I finish this story or do I take two minutes to pull this game up on my phone and see how this ends? And as I pulled up the game on my phone, Jalen Williams hit that game winner against the Blazers. And I was like, you know what? I made the right decision. Yes, you did. I made the, I made, <laughs> I made the right decision. Um, also, I probably wouldn't have done that if, if uh, OU hadn't fallen apart against Texas, but that's a, that's a whole that's a that's a different thing. I will give a shout out to the fans that came to the Lily Noble Center on Tuesday night to watch that game. It was not a good game from OU's standpoint, but that atmosphere was rocking, man. That was great. That that was fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't I don't know if you got to watch the game on TV, but it was it was it was really fun. You could tell that it was different. Um, there's not very there haven't been very many times where the LNC looked that way uh, over the last few years, and 
it was definitely you could tell it was different on TV on the broadcast for sure. I, you know, won't stay, don't stick too long on this, but you know, Bob Bob Stoops coming out and saying continue to support you guys showing up to those games. It it, it just helps. It it only helps. It only makes things better. Last night was certainly disappointing, but um, you know, they could string together a couple more. The team's still fifteen and four. Like, I mean, so. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, really, really good atmosphere. It was it was pretty fun to watch. Well, and as disappointing as last night's game was, there there is still some some runway for OU basketball. But what isn't disappointing and what is exciting is OU softball season. Brian starts in two weeks. Two weeks from tomorrow, That's OU softball opens up its 2024 campaign. I feel like I was at the women's college world series like yesterday watching OU win its third consecutive title. I kind of, I kind of can't believe that we're here for uh, another softball season. And I think loyal uh, listeners, viewers of this podcast. I mean, we are a, a football podcast that is primarily what we talk about, but look, softball, softball is, you know, we're, we cover it. We cover it really, really hard because not only, I mean, I think I think people are are really continuing to catch on every year that softball softball's just awesome, man. Before we talk about other OU yeah. softball stuff, softball's just so cool, man. It's so awesome. It, the the what what those athletes do, how fun they are to watch, how exciting those games are, mm-hmm. and, you know. And I think OU softball has had such a big impact. They've been the leader at how much softball has grown. It's been so cool to see softball grow, but other teams around the country, man, the 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 softball landscape is incredible. Yes, and and it, to me, it's almost as fun to watch softball as it is any other sport. And, and I mean, it's 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 just been awesome to to watch the game grow. I've got I've got some big thoughts on softball. I I grew up watching it with with my mom. She was a huge softball fan. You know, um, played all through high school and and did some rec league stuff after that and. Um, she loves it and I loved it naturally just watching it with her. But over the last half decade, softball at the college level has literally blown up. I mean, it's, it's become this huge thing. And I, I think that they've found a niche where, you know, people that don't religiously watch, watch basketball or, or, you know, people that are looking for something to keep, keep them entertained, they they fall to softball and it's i mean it is it is faster paced than baseball uh you're in and out of a game in an hour and a half or two hours whereas college baseball games are you know on the verge of four hours long uh you know i'm not a i'm not a huge college baseball guy to begin with but uh I, i will say i'm even biased i think it's pretty safe to say that college softball has has totally eclipsed college baseball in terms of product um it it's it's growing at a faster rate it's the fastest growing sport in college athletics as far as following goes and well it's closing it's closing in on basketball too yes yes it is well and you know my my very first experience uh watching an oklahoma softball game was actually uh in oklahoma city it was it was there at hall of fame stadium very first one that i ever watched and uh coming into it i didn't know really what to expect or what to think I had been to football games, but the atmosphere at an Oklahoma softball game, even at a at a stadium that big, is incredible. I mean, it was so much fun. The 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 
fan engagement, everything that's going on on the field. And then obviously, you know, you get to watch Oklahoma do its thing, which, you know, there's nobody out there that does, does softball the way that Patty Gasso does. So um, coming to this side of the fence and being able to, to, to cover them, it's a, it's a pleasure. I'm excited about it. And, and uh, I'm really excited about the sport of softball and where it's headed. Well, and, and really as, as big as all of that is, I mean, what Oklahoma softball has done um, the last few years, I mean, outside of maybe Nick Saban at Mm -hmm. Alabama, I don't know how many sports you can look at period professionally college. I mean, collegiately that have done what this OU softball team has done. And I think this year in particular, in particular, particularly that's a hard word that's a hard word to say um it's is like pj adabari you're never gonna get that and that's never. okay and I'm, that's okay i've embraced it <laughs> i'll let him tell me i'll let him tell me and i and i'll get it wrong again but <laughs> this uh this softball season i mean look th- there's no shortage of storylines uh for this softball season uh, it's they're going for their fourth straight national championship which has never been done Last year, when they won title number three in a row, they became the first or second team to ever do that and the first team to do that since UCLA in the late 80s. Mm-hmm. Um, they won their seventh overall. So this year they're going for number eight and they're they're opening at Love's Field. They're they're getting a new arena, which they desperately needed as great as Marita Hines field was and how impactful that was for OU softball. They're getting a new stadium and uh, it's expected. I actually asked Joe Castiglione about that um, a couple of weeks ago. It is fully expected to be ready for when OU opens its home season on March first. So I think Brian, for for people out there, you know, we're still gonna we're still gonna talk about football. We're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit about football at the end of this podcast. But I mean, we're shifting into softball season. This mm-hmm. podcast, there's gonna be no shortage of things to talk about when it comes to this OU softball season and. They're they're unanimous number one. They're still at the top of college softball, fully expected to make another run. And it gets started in two weeks, man. And so I think while you know this isn't the full OU softball season preview yet, because we still have a few days. Uh media day is going to come around the corner. Mm-hmm. A lot of things to talk about. What what I wanted to talk about today, man, to you know, to get people kind of transitioned into uh, us talking more and more about softball every week on this podcast is that there's a question in my head that is, I think going to be the defining question for this OU softball season. And it's so crazy to think about how much talent OU is returning from last year. It, it's crazy. I mean, their, their, their offense is basically still intact. They, they're, they're going to be, they're going to be dominant. However, my my question, Brian, is can OU replace Jordy Ball? That's that's the question for me. And obviously, I think softball is be- – I mean, I think OU football fans, basketball fans, OU fans in general have started to really keep up with softball. So there's not anybody out there that doesn't know what I'm talking about. But if you don't know, Jordy Ball spent two seasons with the Sooners, established herself as probably the best pitcher in softball – uh, was just such a humongous part of of OU softball winning uh, its third consecutive championship last year. And then within a few days of OU celebrating that title, she left. She yeah. entered the transfer portal. She went to Nebraska. She grew up near Nebraska, grew up a Nebraska fan. You know, it, it's a returning home of sorts. 
And I think it shocked. I think it shocked everybody. I think it shocked a lot of people that she did that. But Brian, the question, the reason why this is lingering is because as talented as this OU softball team is, and good Lord, is it talented (laughs) up and down the roster? It's talented. Last year was pretty interesting because it, Patty Gasso, the last few years has established this. She doesn't like to overly rely on one pitcher. Right. And last year, OU had this three headed monster at, you know, in the circle with, with Jordy, with Nicole May, with Alex Starocco. But when the going got tough late last year, Brian, it was the Jordy ball show. Oh yeah. And there's a reason why she won women's college world series MVP. And in 24 innings, in the women's college world series, she gave up only 12 hits, no runs. She was just, and I think as dominant as we think of OU softball and they were, I mean, they went 61 and one last year, they've won three championships in a row. They faced some real adversity last year. And I think people will overlook how much, whether it was Clemson in the super regional, whether it was Stanford at the women's college world series, even that second game against Florida state to seal the win, they were down one, nothing in the fourth inning. Yep. They really leaned on Jordy Ball because the offense, as explosive as it had been all year, struggled a little bit comparatively. Yeah. And I, I don't know if OU softball wins without Jordy Ball absolutely dominating in a circle. So that's, you know, and let, well, let's get into what they've kind of done during the offseason, what their pitching staff looks like. But to me, that's the question, Brian, is can this team replace – how impactful Jordy ball was for this team the last two years. Yeah. And I, I think that the, f- the first place you have to start is losing Jordy ball because the, 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 the vast majority of, of the people that probably listen to this podcast, obviously are going to come in with a football mindset. Um, losing Jordy ball is, is like losing Caleb Williams. You, you lost the best player in the sport. Like, I don't I don't think that that's going out too far on a limb. She's incredible. I mean that there were there were times last year I, I'm trying to remember was it was it was it against Clemson? It, she she came in no no it was in the it was actually in the Women's College World Series when and I believe it was against Florida State where she pitches the inning, she then uh pinch runs and ends up uh, rounding third and getting home on on a on a tight play that you know somebody else probably doesn't make because she just she's just that kind of athlete um, yeah. and, and is able to get in and 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 give Oklahoma I believe it was the go ahead score and it's like there's just not very many athletes out there that can do something like that so with that being said um, one for one you're not going to replace her you're just not I mean. If you were to go out and get Kennedy and Jari Kennedy from from Stanford, I mean, maybe that kind of replaces production one for one. But she's still what she offers, not just as as a, as a pitcher, but but at the plate and as a runner and and uh, the consistency with which she pitched. I, I just don't know that you're you're going to replace her one for one. Now, I will say, I don't think Oklahoma could have done a better job with replacing what they lost than what they did because the haul that they had particularly in the circle was wild like very very good um and i don't know how you want to go about breaking this down but 
Peyton Monticelli and Carly Keeney and obviously Maxwell, Oklahoma State's best player to come through there in, in several years, two-time All-American. Um, you have a staff that already had uh, Nicole May coming back. You've got S.J. Gurren, who nobody has really gotten a chance to see, but she's an incredible left-hander. And then, you know, you, you just you, – you go through the list of players that, that Oklahoma's got in the circle to, to mess with that are to, to use, and Kirsten Deal – is one that hasn't even been mentioned yet. So, like, there, there's this in, there's this incredible staff that Oklahoma has at its disposal. Um, I think somebody needs to come out and prove themselves the alpha in that group. I don't know who that's going to be. I'm assuming it would be May, just considering how long she's been around. But, um, you know, there are plenty of arms. There's plenty of talent. And when it comes to the the, the, the people that they added in the portal – Man, they got they got some good names and some some young some young t- players that can come in and, and really help them out. So, it's exciting. Roses are red, violets are blue. Trim your balls, and your date will thank us too. What's up, fellas? Valentine's Day is knocking, and Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor ordered. His prescription: the all new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off plus free shipping with code OUinsider.com. The Performance Package 5.0 Ultra also comes with their brightest LED spotlight yet. It's brighter than your best romantic smile, perfect for precise grooming, even in the trickiest spots. Oh, it's waterproof too, making shower shaves a breeze. But hey, that's not everything the love doctor ordered. This package also features the weed whacker 2.0 nose hair trimmer manscapes, liquid formulations, and two free goodies, the shed travel bag and boxers 2.0 because comfort is king for all my dogs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code. OU insider at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code. OU insider because your grooming upgrade awaits ready to charm your Valentine's day dates. No, it is. And so that's, to me, that's kind of where the discussion is, is it's, it's crazy that, Oh, you can lose a player like Jordy ball and still be unanimous. Number one, heading into the season and rightfully so with how much talent this team has and the pitching staff in particular still has talent. And if you look at what, how this team handled last year, Patty Gasso basically gave Nicole May, Alex Storacco, and Jordy Ball, she basically split the playing time mm-hmm. about as equally into thirds as you possibly could. And all three of them had incredible regular seasons. They were they were top 10 in essentially every statistical category you can think of. ERA, strikeouts, batting average. I mean, it, it was crazy what they did. What I think was interesting was, again, I, I think Patty alluded to this last year. They did not want to play Jordy Ball as much as they did in the women's college world series down the stretch. I think she wanted to continue that approach, but Jordy just think the other two struggled just a little bit. And Jordy was just not allowing a run in 24 innings at the women's college world series is just incredible. It's just nuts. Yeah. Like it's, I think sometimes we stuff happens so quickly. It's easy to blow past something incredible. It's that's just incredible. 
It yeah. just is. Yeah. When you so, but like you said, there, there's not a one for one replacement, but it's clear that what this coaching staff there did during the off season and the transfer portal, they clearly wanted to add depth because again, Patty's Patty's mindset's not going to change. She's gonna she's gonna she's gonna cycle in a lot of these players. To me, I think it's and and you mentioned everybody that's on that pitching staff. What I'm curious to see is not only how much run do they all get, but yeah, I think it's who's going to establish themselves as as maybe the go-to player. Nicole May, it's so funny to talk about Nicole May uh not as a disappointment cuz obviously she's not, but she she didn't pitch a ton in the Women's College World Series, but she had an incredible year last yeah, year. She, she was did. She was 2023. Uh, she was on the all big 12 first team last year. Her, her ERA was 0.91, which is just, which is just, I mean, she threw 130 strikeouts and 107 innings. It's just insane what she did. Um, and Kelly Maxwell is the most decorated pitcher in Oklahoma state history. She just, I mean, she is, she's been one of the best pitchers in college softball the last four years. My and then Kirsten Deal and you mentioned SJ Garen. We didn't she they she redshirted last year. We didn't see her um really on the field. Kirsten Deal, we saw her in spurts. I think mm-hmm. you saw against Clemson a game that OU really struggled in the super regionals in that game, too. They were down seven to four heading in the seventh inning, and it took a, a grand slam, a, a miraculous grand slam to get them back into that game um by by Kenzie Hansen. But we saw Kirsten deal come in in the sixth inning and kind of get the Sooners out of a jam. They're really excited about her. The program is really excited about both SJ and Kirsten. My thoughts, Brian, is that it's going to end up being, I mean, I think everybody's going to get, I mean, even in fall ball, every, every pitcher, Peyton got some time. Carly got some time. My guess is I think it's going to be Kelly, Nicole and Kirsten kind of asserting themselves as the top three. And I think Patty's going to look at this all year is which one becomes the player that when the going gets tough, that's who I rely on. Mm-hmm. What, what pitcher, what pitcher on this staff, uh, Kelly Maxwell might be the easy answer, but what, what, what pitching, what pitcher do you think can be that difference maker on this staff? I I do I I kind of concur. I do think that Maxwell is the easy answer, but if if I was to go out on a limb, I think Carly Keeney is somebody that you kind of have to keep an eye on. Just, you know, look, something something that I think a lot of people are are maybe going to get misconstrued is you know, you go and look at let me pull it up here. You go and look at her ERA last year, 261 at Liberty. Uh, Peyton Monticelli's ERA last season was, uh, I, I think, right around the same. Yeah, two seven one. So, what a lot of people don't understand or think about when they're looking at that in the box score is the defense that played behind them. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma is going to field the best defensive team likely again in in uh, college softball, and. That helps with with those numbers. And what Carly Keeney did against UCLA in the regional last year, what she did against Oklahoma to begin the year That's last a good point. year mm-hmm. was really impressive. And I, I think with the defense behind her, that's somebody that you could see really break into that that mold as as uh you know as a dominant pitcher. But yeah, Kelly Maxwell, look, she 
I don't know that there maybe outside of Montana Fouts, I don't really know that there's somebody that was leaned on as heavily over the last couple of years as Kelly was at Oklahoma State. Obviously, last year, um, uh, name is slipping my mind. Oklahoma State's uh, pitcher that transferred in from from Alabama that took over for him there towards the end. Um, either way, yeah. When I I'll look it up in a second, but uh, either way. Maxwell is, as you said, the most decorated pitcher in, in Oklahoma State history, and now she has a chance to be part of a real staff, like a, a real a staff that can really take some of that pressure off of her. So, if she can get back some of that, uh, some of that juice, for lack of a better term, that she had in the in the 2022 Women's College World Series that seemed to be missing at times last year. I mean, the sky's the limit again. I, there's, there's no, there's no reason why this team can't lead the country in ERA again. So, um, yeah, it, it's an incredible group, and I think if I was to, to lean into your answer, yes, it would be Kelly Maxwell, but, but Carly Keeney, somebody to keep an eye on. That's a good point. And look, just to illustrate this point, and this, this includes, uh, the, this includes the postseason where Jordy Ball ended up doing, ended up pitching a lot more. Um, then both Starocco and May. So board, so Ball pitched 147 innings. Nicole May pitched 107. Alex Starocco pitched 103. So, I mean, she played those three about as equally as you can. Mm-hmm. Without Jordy and without Starocco, which is a big miss, uh, that Starocco, not having Starocco as, as a depth piece, I mean, you're having to replace two of your three top pitchers. Yep. In a system where... Patty is not Patty's not going to throw somebody out there to throw 200 pitches in the regular or 200 innings in the regular season. Right. It's not going to happen. Nope. It's just not. She's even talked about she's learned if you run somebody into the ground in the regular season, you'll pay for it. You'll pay for it. Yep. And that's what I don't think they they were not com- they were not comfortable throwing Jordy out there as much as they did in the last few games of the season. They had to. Yeah. That's how good she was. So now you're having to replace two of your top three pitchers. I mean, Kirsten Deal pitched 27 innings uh, last year. So, I mean, really, really it was those top three. I think that's going to be one of the more fascinating things to see this season. What ends up happening? Does she do, – do all six get a decent chunk of the the, the playing time? Mm-hmm. Does I mean, do you – how much do you see that grow during the season? And you mentioned it, man. Like I, like I said, my, my thought is it's going to be Nicole – Kelly Maxwell and, and Kirsten Deal, but man, we haven't even seen SJ Garen. She was a highly recruited player. Oh yeah, um, Peyton Monticelli. I mean, from Wisconsin, she did. St- I mean, she was a really good player there. Carly Kenny from Liberty, she was a good player there. Um, I, you know, I, I basically this team has six quality pitchers on the staff, and there's not a whole lot of playing time to try to get all six all the no. six players on in the circle, man. Well, and That's tough. I, I think as crazy as it sounds, I, I think the biggest concern with that is at what point is at what point do they have enough? Because the, you get in a groove as a pitcher. Like that's that's part of you need those innings to to really get into your groove and, and get the, the kinks worked out and and have some things to look at um, when it comes to game time and, and evaluating and, and give the coaching staff something to look at. Um I, I don't know. I mean, I, I do think you have quality depth 
maybe even more so than you did last year, which is like, I feel like I keep saying that because I, I talked about that with, with, within circles of friends last year that, you know, as good as the team was the year before the, the narrative was, well, Jocelyn all is gone. So, you know, Oklahoma's going to fall off. I mean, they just, all they did was get better. They, they're, they won 53 games in a row to end the season. And we haven't even talked about that. Like that's how much of that's just how ridiculous this team's been. So I don't know. It's, it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know how you really balance six legitimate talents uh, in, in the circle, but if there's anybody out there that's going to figure it out, obviously it's Patty. Well, I think all of this is to say that a bunch of things. One, again, it's crazy. You can lose someone like Jordy ball and, and still be number one, but two, it's pretty clear to me that Jordy Ball's departure was seismic. Mm. And 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 therefore, I think Patty Gasso's approach was... I mean, Kelly Maxwell has been one of the best pitchers in, in college softball bar none in the last several years. But it's, it's clear to me that Patty's mindset was, okay, we need, to, we need to replace her in the aggregate. Yes. And we need to get... I mean, I think this team, even without Jordy Ball, has the deepest pitching staff in college softball. I think the player outside of even uh, like, so, but again, I mean, OU softball is going to win a lot of games. So I think if you're looking at what should I be watching as the season continues, it's going to be that pitching staff. How much does everybody pitch the player that I'm most looking at Brian? And we'll talk about the infield and the outfield and the offense. We'll, we'll do that later. But to me, I'm looking at someone like Nicole may she is the, she's the veteran on the team now in the, in the sense of she's been around the program, the longest, um, out of all that, uh, out of all those pitchers, she was incredible in the regular season. To me, I think she's a player that's gonna. I think they're gonna lean on her a little bit. I, I would be shocked if she's not, if she doesn't pitch the most innings or the, at least the second most innings by the end of the regular season. That would shock me. But I think Nicole is. I, I do think. I in some ways I think it's unfair, but I think there was this worry that there was this thought that well they needed to play Jordy Ball because Nicole wasn't pitching quite as well as she did in the, in the regular season, in the playoffs, Nicole's going to be the person I'm looking at because in the regular season, she killed it. Mm -hmm. And all of this is to say, while this pitching staff is so deep, again, the college softball landscape is incredible. This OU team faced real battles last year. Think about Stanford with, with Nigeri Kennedy, who is an absolute stud already. Mm -hmm. Like they're going to need somebody to step up. They're just they're just going to need somebody to step up. Even though OU's offense is as explosive as it was last year, I mean, two to nothing over Stanford in the first game in the Women's College World Series. The second one, that game took extra innings and they won that four to two. Right. You're gonna need someone to step up. I'm looking at Nicole May. I'm curious to see what kind of season she has. Can she improve? And does she become an even more reliable player in the postseason? That's who I'm looking at. Yeah, no, she is uh she's got the experience. I mean, she's part of that quartet of of seniors that you, you think about, you know, her and, and obviously uh, Kenzie Hansen, uh, T.R. Jennings, and then obviously Jada Coleman, that group, Riley Boone, I guess is in there as well, but you like, you really think about that group of seniors and she is, you know, I, I almost think that she, she's the unsung hero sometimes of that group. She's probably the least talked about of that group. 
Uh, and she pro and you know I, I believe she probably likes it that way, but that's not that's I don't think it's fair to what she has been for this this team, and that's just it's consistent in, in the regular season to keep them on track. Um, she has had to share the circle with Jordy Ball and um, over the last two seasons, and I you know I don't think that would be easy for anybody, uh, you know, just with the dynamic athlete that she is, but also just the weight of what a, a personality and a and an athlete like that brings to the table. It's she she walks into a room and and that's who everybody's talking about is Jordy Ball, and so. I, I think, as you said, I think this is an opportunity for for Nicole to to shine and and become that that leader for this group. And she has been she's been through the ringer. She's been through um, some struggles in the postseason. She's seen, you know, as, as good as this team has been, as you said, somebody's going to have to step up when you get down to that final eight. You're going to face elite pitching. Like that's 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 why those teams are there. And so when when the bats go cold, which they inevitably will at some point in in that stretch, uh, you need somebody that you can turn to, and this is Nicole's chance to become that. This is going to be a fun season, man. Also, honestly, because I think OU softball is going to be challenged at least a little bit. Mm -hmm. I mean, which I mean they were last year, definitely not as much in the regular season, more in the playoffs. I think this team's going to be challenged. I really do. I think they're going to they're going to run into adversity yep. in the regular season. When you look around college softball, man, whether it's it's Stanford or, or Texas or Oklahoma State, um, Florida State, Tennessee. plenty of other teams, plenty of other teams. I'm 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 not mentioning. I, I, I mean, Oklahoma should be the favorite. They should. They absolutely should be. I, I think people need to tune in. Even OU softball fans need to tune in to the the softball landscape as a whole mm. there are some excellent players out there i'm even about clemson i mean I, I think clemson clemson should have beat ou in that super regional game too they were up seven to four yeah they were this close to forcing a do or die game three in norman i mean that yeah, that's I, been i hated that as a 16 seed as the 116 i was like yeah. clemson as yeah. a 16 are you kidding was, me like that yeah it, that's a tough draw. Clemson's, yeah, Clemson's no joke. No, it's. I think, man, I'm honestly like, I'm, I'm almost giddy. I'm, 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 I'm almost really excited about yeah. softball. But we've, uh, we've got a couple more weeks, um, to to break down some more softball stuff, uh, and we will. Um, it's, but it's almost hard because OU has so many returning players that it's like you kind of, you kind of know. You have a pretty good idea of what to expect from this team, but I do think the pitching staff, it's going to be something to, to mm -hmm. monitor moving forward. Brian, something else that we're going to do with this podcast over the next few weeks is I think, you know, we're going to take a look at, uh, you know, OU football season's been done for, for uh, a few weeks now, but I think it's, it's good to take a look back at, at different position groups, see, you know, analyze what we saw during the season and then maybe, what either the priority should be or uh, what's needed from this group next year. And I think running backs is a really good place to start um, in this position group review, because the, the running the running back position might've been the most, not only the most interesting group to analyze throughout the year, but I think it also experienced the most change and, and development 
mm-hmm. over the year. Um, this is a team that, I mean, it, you, I mean, you remember the, the first few games of the season, it was like, why can't OU, <laughs> why can't OU run the ball, uh, very well when, when in 2020, when in 2022, OU was one of the best running offenses, uh, in the country. And that eventually ended up, uh, they ended up turning the tide a little bit as Gavin Sawchuck, uh, kind of took that mantle a little bit, but a lot of it didn't work out the way that we thought it would. I mean, we thought it was going to be a Gavin Sawchuck, Javante Barnes, one, two punch from the beginning. That is not what happened. And, and Tawi Walker stepped into shoes or, you know, stepped into those shoes. Marcus major got a lot of run early, but you know, Brian, I'm looking like their first, their first seven games of the season, their yards per uh, carry each game, 4.4, 4, 4, 4.3, 3, 3.8, 4.7, 4.1. And then eventually Gavin Sawchuk kind of took off and it got better from there. But what were your, what surprised you or what were your overall impressions of that, of that running back room as it, as it developed throughout the season? I was extremely concerned after I believe it was the Tulsa game or maybe the Cincinnati game. It was one of those, probably a combination of both. They weren't great in either of those games running the ball. um, I was, I was concerned with, with where the room was at. And, you know, as, as Brandon alluded to several times, Gavin was not in game shape. He had been dealing with the hamstring issue and, um, you know, Javante Barnes coming off of, 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 of foot uh, surgery and, and getting himself back right and, and dealing with other issues. If Tawi Walker would not have been what he was for the Sooners this year uh, and stepping in and filling that role as, you know, the guy for the course of several games, you know, I, I think the offense would have been, you know, stuck in the mud for lack of a better term. It was, it was really concerning that, these two guys that were coming off just amazing true freshman years uh, just weren't, they, they weren't a, they weren't contributors early on. And so I was really concerned. Um, You know, I I think something that kind of hides that was how effective Dylan Gabriel was running the football, especially in the red zone. Uh, He led the team in rushing touchdowns. He had 12 on the year. So, you know, that, that kind of hid some of it and masked some of it, but you know, I was really at by by the end of the season. I was really encouraged by what Gavin Sawchuk grew into, uh, because I don't I don't think there's any question now who the number one the you know RB one going into 2024 is. It's it's Sawchuk. Um, OU does lose their second, third, and fourth leading rushers on the year. Uh, one of those guys being Gabriel. So Javante Barnes needs to step up. I think that's also why you went and you went and saw Oklahoma uh, going to the portal and get the the UT Martin running back. Um, remind me his name again. I'm trying to get caught up. Yeah, here. I'm. I'm uh, you know, they went out and got. They went out and grabbed uh, transfer there. You've got Taylor Tatum coming in, obviously in the class of 24, and everyone back in the in the class there. So you've got talent there behind Sawchuck, but you're just going to need somebody else to step up there and, and help him out going forward. Um, I also think that the issues on the offensive line early on probably played a lot of role in that as well. And as they kind of gelled around that Texas game was when everything started kind of getting better and timing started getting right. It was, it was better, but um, 
you know, overall feel the running back room, it was a slow start and a fast finish, I guess is probably the best way of putting it. Um, felt really good where things ended up at the end of the year, but to begin with, it was, it was pretty scary. Sam Franklin is Sam his Franklin, name. Thank you. Yep. Our name, our brains are both mush and that's okay. Um, yeah, man, I think it was, it was so interesting to see the, the room develop as it, as it went on it. I mean, Tommy Walker at times looked like OU's best offensive player period over the first few weeks, um, you know, going through. So, so Sawchuck ended up finishing the season with 744 yards. Uh, I think the biggest thing to me was his yards per carry 6.2 that led the team by a pretty significant margin. Uh, Tommy Walker second with 513 yards. Uh, you mentioned Dylan Gabriel. He was third uh, in rushing yards, 373. Marcus Major, 308. But he only played in seven games and, and really didn't play much at all the second half of the season. You mentioned the name that I think is going to be the biggest discussed question of the offseason is Javante Barnes mm-hmm. in this running back room. Because while I think we all figured that Gavin Sawchuk would have a huge role and he ended up you meant i mean he established he's i mean he finished the year he started the last seven games he he ended the year with five games with 100 yards or more while averaging 5.9 yards per carry he was explosive he was efficient Devontae barnes yep a guy that i I mean he had he had uh an injury in the spring he never i mean his stats on the year brian 37 carries 37 37 carries, 150, or 140 yards, excuse me, 3.8 yards per carry, one touchdown. I just would have never 37 carries. That's that's the thing that kind of shocks me a little bit. Um, I think there was some concern about not only that that foot injury in the spring, but I think there was I think there was some other stuff going on too, um, from what I had kind of been told. I mean, he. I mean, he barely even saw the field at all over the second half of the season. He did not register a carry in the Alamo Bowl against yeah. Arizona. That really surprised me that he didn't get a carry. It was so like Gavin Sacha continued to, to be the RB one, which he should have. But Marcus Major, who entered the portal like forty eight hours later after that game, I mean, he or sorry, he entered the portal before the game, committed to Wisconsin right after the game. I was surprised they gave him carries. I, I don't know what all was going on behind the scenes there, but I was really surprised. Javante Barnes looked good in the open practices that we got to see before the game. I was really surprised he didn't get a carry. It is so hard to project. It's hard to analyze his season, and it's hard to project what his role is going to be moving forward. Can you confidently say he's going to be the number two guy next year? I, I can't. I can't. No, no way. I I that is, I think as you put it, and I'll, I'll just double down on that, I, I don't think that there's a player on Oklahoma's roster who this see, this offseason is more important for than Javante Barnes. Like, I, I don't think, outside of just the argument that Jackson Arnold being the starting quarterback, but I don't think, as far as his football career moving forward goes, that anybody has more pressure on them right now than, than Javante Barnes. Cause he, he was, you know, I think, I think you said it and we'd had the discussion before the season started. He was, he was one a to, to Gavin Sawchuk one B. And so I, I was, 
I was shocked as well. And I, I do think that when you look at Oklahoma going out and, and grabbing Franklin in the portal, and then obviously you've got a legit guy that can come in and, and, and contribute right away and Taylor Tatum with just, you know, the, the level of athlete that he is. Who knows? Javante Barnes is going to have to have himself one heck of an offseason and remain healthy if he's going to contribute in that room because the the amount of talent that DeMarco Murray has in there to work with just continues to get better and better. And, you know, even though it was a it was a struggle last year, I mean, Caleb Hicks is another guy that nobody's talking about. And he yeah. made noise in, in spring and, and made plenty of noise in fall camp last year as well. I mean, that's a guy that has all the intangibles to be somebody that that helps out. So if if Javante Barnes does not have the best offseason that he's had to this point in his career at Oklahoma, he will fall down the depth chart quickly. And that's that's just that's part of playing at Oklahoma, I guess. I should have mentioned OU finished the year averaging 4.5 yards per carry, which is fine. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. That's it's um, got to be close to average in the country, I would imagine. Yeah, that's fine. And and obviously, I think if you took that's a it's obviously a combination of the first half of the year and the second half of the year, which were very different. Yeah. One thing I would say that I would say the running back room showed promise, but there were uh, it was a little bit disappointing. The thing I would ask is so Dalen Smothers is in the portal, although he has not committed anywhere. As far as I know, he he is not, um, he is not, he doesn't have a new destination. He is still listed on the roster on uh, OU's. He's still listed on OU's roster. Dalen Smothers is, so that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, is it more? It is I mean, because you, you mentioned like you got Kayla Hicks and Taylor Tatum and uh, Sam Franklin, even Javante Barnes. We know what Javante Barnes can be when he's healthy. Um, you know, but are we are we overlooking Marcus Major's departure a little? Is, is it possible that could be a bigger deal, even with the talent in that room? Just losing a veteran who, at times last year, was OU's best offensive player. Is there? Would you have any concern that that could be that that it's gonna Walker, we're gonna you, feel his huh? Tawi Walker. You said Marcus Major. I wasn't oh, sure. Marcus Major. So sorry, Tawi Walker. Tawi Walker. Um, Marcus major who unfortunately just injuries. He just, he just never, his career just never really got going at OU. Um, is it possible this team misses Marcus major next year? Uh, yes. Did I do it again? Oh my gosh. No. Yes. I, I get what we Walker. Yes. Tawi Walker. I'm sorry. They are not the same person. I don't know why that is. Oh my God. I told my brain's mush. I couldn't think of Sam Franklin's name. I've I'm. It's January. I don't care. Um, <laughs> is this team going to miss Tawi Walker? Is it possible this team misses him next year? Yes, for sure. Uh, that That's a... I think you compound that with Dylan Gabriel not being there in the, in the short yardage situations, especially like near the goal line. And that's a, that's definitely something that needs to be filled, especially in a, in a conference like the SEC where you're very likely going to come up against some third and short situations that your best opportunity is going to be trying to power your way forward. And it's 
it's going to be a little tougher than than it may have been beforehand in the trenches to do so. So I I don't know. I, I think that's that's tough because he is a he's a guy that you could hand the ball off to and you could expect him to fall forward for three yards and he would get it. I do wonder if Xavier Robinson doesn't become that guy right away. That's for Oklahoma, fair. Just considering, you know, intangibles. He's a, he's a big kid. He's ready. He's, he's built to, to run the football in short yardage situations already. But again, it's, it's, it's a tale as old as time. Sometimes freshmen aren't ready for that role yet. So, you know, sometimes ball security becomes an issue. Uh, and, we know that if ball security is an issue, that's a really very, very quick way to get yourself off the field. And so with Tawi, you really didn't have to worry about that. Uh, the guy, he, he was, he was consistent. He was, you kind of knew what you were getting from him. And uh, for the most part, he took really, really good care of the football. So yeah, I think that's a guy that, you know, he, he yeah, he was a, he was a walk on preferred walk on whatever, but Definitely a contributor, definitely somebody that you could trust in those situations. And uh, you have to turn and turn to somebody else and find a replacement. Uh, and there's a real chance that you could miss him. Well, and the other, the other thing about this discussion too, is not only that, you know, I think the offensive line, when we get to that is going to be an interesting discussion because that's easily the biggest question mark heading into next season. So we're not, I mean, not only is the running back obviously connected to how the offensive line is doing, but OU's obviously also going into the sec there's a part of me that wonders i i mean i think gavin saja clearly did enough to solidify himself as the number one running back moving forward but there's a part of me that wonders with tolly walker gone with javante barnes being a question mark with this team having talent i wonder if not only who's going to establish himself as the number two running back but there's a part of me that wonders are they going to cycle in a lot of different guys I mean, is is Gavin Sawchuck going to be ready for? Is he going to get twenty or more carries a game against SEC defenses? That's a that's a really tough place to be. My my first inclination would be no. I just considering the injury history there already. Like you know, he it's he's not injury prone. I would say he did a pretty good job staying healthy, but uh, the hamstring was a recurring issue. Um and 20 carries in the SEC every week, especially with some of the defensive lines and linebacking core, linebacker cores that you're going to face, you need somebody to absolutely step up as running back two, and maybe three. I mean, that's that's just how it is. It's it's a good question, and I I don't I don't know I I, I have no answer for that who it's going to be. I mean, you're we're we're all kind of clueless at this point. It, it there's plenty of pieces there, but to know who it's going to be. Yeah, it would just be a shot in the dark right now. Well, and we also saw last year that, I mean, DeMarco Murray was not afraid. I mean, think about how much run Marcus Major and Tawi Walker got early in the season. And then against Tulsa, it was it was Javante Barnes and Gavin Sachuk getting all the carries right. after barely seeing the field the first two games. I don't know how helpful that ended up being, but it also ended up, I think, being this coaching staff clearly not knowing who is the number one guy. Mm-hmm. They know who the number one guy is this year, but I do think there's, I mean, that's going, who's going to be the number two and three is going to be a question that's going to have to be answered in the spring and off season workouts in fall camp. It's just going to be, I mean, I, I, and also this is also all under the umbrella of a new offense with Seth Luttrell too. So 
I don't know. The one positive that OU can can hold their hats on is I would just be shocked if it's not Gavin Sacha. I mean, the way he as the number one guy, the, the mm. way he ran the ball. Not only just I think what I was most impressed by him was not only just his explosiveness, but running between the tackles. I yeah. think he got he got a lot better at that as the season went on. I think we saw him as like this explosive get outside the, you know, get outside the box run. I thought his vision inside the tackles and being able to take punishment really improved as the season went on too. Yeah. One of the, one of the things I noticed quickly uh, doing my, I did a uh, field vision video specifically on, on Gavin. And as the season progressed, uh, some of that explosiveness as far as his jump cut ability, which is something that he is, that, that's something he really leans on, especially in those inside runs. Uh, it really started to take form again uh, with what we saw from him. You know, it looked like what we saw from him against Florida State last year. So uh, his ability to do that and to see things inside the tackles uh, was really, really big. And I think that's going to be big for Oklahoma going into next year because, as you just mentioned, Seth Luttrell is going to have a new offensive scheme. It's a lot of the same principles, but given what Oklahoma has put on, you know, put on the roster this offseason, particularly at tight end, I think is going to affect a lot of those things. You're going to see a lot of more, a lot more 12 personnel, like two tight end set stuff, which is, is going to be beneficial for, for whoever's back there running the football. You've got another guy in the box to help, to help lock things up. So, um, you know, I think it'll be it'll be beneficial. It'll be really good. But yeah, Taylor Tatum's got to come in, or Javante Barnes has got to figure it out, or or maybe it's Sam Franklin. But somebody is gonna have to be able to to spell him, to to spell uh, Gavin because it's a grind. That schedule is gonna be a grind, and you're gonna absolutely need somebody to 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 back him up. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. We will be back, Brian, next week to talk more about. OU softball to do another uh, position group review, basically, a, you know, a softball football podcast, you know, first one out there, nobody else, nobody else does it. Or if they do, they don't do it like we do. So that's what I'm going to say, but Hey, softball season right around the corner, still plenty to analyze, but OU football season, basketball season, even as tough as OU Texas was uh, as tough as that game was Tuesday night, there's still a lot ahead of them. They got another challenge on Saturday against number 20, Texas Tech. So much stuff going on. Junior Day is coming up in just a couple of days, actually. There is so much content, so much stuff to break down over at OUinsider.com. Head over there if you're not a VIP subscriber already. Or if not, make sure to like and subscribe on the OU Insider YouTube channel. You can find Brian and I every Thursday on the Oklahoma Drill talking about all things OU softball, some OU football talk in there. You can find me and Brody talking about OU basketball on the In the Paint show. You can find Parker and Brandon talking about everything recruiting on the Under the Visor pod. Plenty of stuff you're not going to want to miss out on. Until then, we'll be back with some more softball talk next week on the Oklahoma Drill.